Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I am joined by two of the happiest NFC East fans in all the land, John Malloy and Jake Woolhead. Lads, I can't quite put my finger on what's made you so happy. I'm <laughs> assuming it's the Bengals winning. You you often say, like, me and Fiona are advocates of the NFC East being the best division in all of the NFL, and it just so happens that two of the worst teams got into the playoffs, <laughs> the Cowboys and the Eagles, and are one and done, which just makes me and Fiona infinitely happy. Yeah, yeah. We, we've been calling this since about week three of the regular season. Jake had a great start saying the Cowboys won 12 games, but six of those games were against the rest of the NFC East. So, uh, I mean, we'll we'll get on to them as we go through the show, but absolutely, it's when your teams don't make it in the playoffs, this is the next best thing. <laughs> it's great because uh, a lot of the Cowboys fans I know are all there throughout the year saying 12-6, all this kind of crap, and now they have to go one and done. Again, they just don't get in their playoff win. It's probably... Just it's better than seeing the Giants get into the playoffs, which has been a while, but still. Have you ever experienced a Giants playoff now at this stage? It's been well, the Giants went one and done in 2016. That was the infamous <laughs> boat party that we lost the I game. Remember, it wasn't Eli Manning's boat party. it was actually legitimately everybody else. Yeah. Um but look. It is great. Although on the opposite side, you're saying that like the best thing, the next best thing for a team a fan whose team doesn't make the playoffs to see their rivals lose. I had to see rivals win. I had to see the <laughs> you had no choice. Win. And then out of the grounds and the Cardinals, one of them were going to win anyway. So, you know, two two <laughs> NFC West teams in the divisional round of the playoffs this weekend I, as well. So, I hate is... to break it to you, Darry. You might have to watch that a couple more times before this playoff run is over, I'm afraid. There, there are some <laughs> good teams and they're going to cause people problems all the way through this playoffs. No, 100% Fionn, you are correct with that. And like, if you don't already know, this is our uh, super wild card weekend review show. I've had to practice that tr- at least three times today, so I don't get confused. <laughs> I, and I'm delighted that I got it done there. We will not be doing the wheel topics tonight, um, as there was only six games. We decided we'll run through all of the games from this past weekend, and of course, because of how important the games are too. Um we will probably spend less time on some than you know uh, than the others. You um, you probably already know which games we're going to be talking about <laughs> about most already. But I wanted to ask you guys as a whole this this last weekend because I don't know about you. It was it was a bit of a you know I want to say meh weekend if you want if you, like looking think, trying to think of a better word you know only two out of the game out to out of six games were sort of close affairs you know the four were washouts pretty much blowouts um an interesting stat i came across today in the lead up to the show as well there was no lead changes in the second half of any game this past weekend either which shows you as well. Like I think there was a big discrepancy in sort of team performance, and um, I just want to see like what what were you guys a little disappointed about the sort of quality that we saw the, this past weekend? Yeah, I think I was a little disappointed. Again, there was a huge like as you said, no changes in leads over the second half. But as we've seen, and probably three out of the games. 
there was like probably a huge margin in the first half alone. So overcoming that deficit was probably never going to happen anyway, which is kind of disappointing. But having watched the Cowboys and the Eagles fail kind of does lift my spirits up. Um, I get a little less miserable when that happens. But I think I was, oh, I am full screen now. Um, I think when um, the uh, somebody was telling me, talking to me earlier about the seventh seed is a bit too much for the playoffs. But I think I like this like it because it gives an any given Sunday but I do think they just need to adjust the you don't need the Eagles playing the Buccaneers you probably need the seventh seed playing the sixth seed and then you can do the first and fourth seed or whatever way you want to do it from there two worst teams play each other I think is probably the best way of giving a shot forward for them yeah I agree with you I'm not I'm not so worried about the boring look if it's your team and they won uh, it's not boring at all it's actually nice to have a comfortable playoff win and as Jake mentioned this is the wild card one this is where you have the most disparity between the two two teams, the way that they seed them out. So probably not a surprise. We only got two close games. I, I haven't got the, the rankings on front of me, but it's probably the two closest seeds playing each other gave us the best games. But look, I expect it to be more challenging going forward. And actually, if anything, it's nice to see just how good the firepower is for all these teams that are remaining. Uh, even when you get a blowout, it's really nice to see that the teams are, every team is hot at the right time. And that's what makes for good football down into the last stretch of the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you're totally right. And I think you are Fion- correct there, Fiona. Definitely the 49ers and the Cowboys, they were the closest in terms of the four and the five. Um, in terms of the Bengals and the Raiders, I don't think so. I think the Bengals were a third seed and the Raiders were a sixth seed. So not a huge not a huge change, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't like the um, both seven seeds were, were completely blown out the Steelers and and the Eagles this week, and um, it, it, it wasn't a great sort of advertisement for having more playoff teams and more playoff games. Um, we'll, we'll see what it's like in the future. Maybe, Jake, like you were saying, maybe... Uh, I think they just need to tweak it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, something like, a, you know, the, the weaker teams, you know, play to get in this week and yeah something like that next week with the with the bigger sides but then you do leave yourself open to the possibility of this week coming now being the game being the week that we saw last week when these stronger teams come in against these other ones that have had to play to get in that they're a little battered as well that we could see even even maybe larger blowouts yeah i think that's the reality there's only there's only five or six good teams out of the 14 that make the playoffs and if they really are good and they really are hot, there's going to be blowouts. I, I agree with you. I don't I don't think it matters when those lower seeds get introduced. At a yeah. certain point, the lower seed is going to play a top seed. And look, yeah. if, if they're good, it's going to lead to a blowout. Yeah, I agree with you. I just like the the seven seed gives a kind of, you could get, your team could get hot on the, the wildcard weekend or whatever, and you could go through. So I like that aspect of it. But again, as you said, the seven seed is probably going to be a lot weaker than the first seed. So I mean, I don't, I don't claim to be a scheduled master. So I'm sure there's a way they can adjust it to make it a little bit more competitive for all teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, this week's uh, show is brought to you by McGowan's of Fibsborough. Of course, um, they are our main sponsors on the show. Hopefully, lads, it will not be long before we have the pubs back open to more regular opening times and we can catch the end of the playoffs, possibly the Super Bowl back in McGowan's of Fibs. So make sure you follow them on their social channels to be kept up to date with the latest on table bookings and, of course, whatever other events that we have on 
two if you want to even just head down for a couple of social points and a bit of food it's definitely well worth the trip because the points are great and the food is tasty so you can't beat it while you're also following them on the social channels follow us too follow us on twitter and instagram at under center pod you can follow us uh subscribe sorry i should say to our youtube channel just search under center podcast you'll find it there all of our shows go up there as well and finally if you prefer to listen to us on the go while you're going for your walk or maybe you're in the gym or just like walking around the house with the headphones in go to wherever you get your podcast search under center podcast that's where you'll find us subscribe all of our shows like i said are up there too for you to listen to including previous interviews we had with obviously legendary uh super bowl winning coach wade phillips and of course current panthers tight end colin thompson so there's definitely some there in the back catalog for you to listen to um they are not all time stamped or date stamped like maybe this show might be some of them <laughs> do stand a lot on their own as pretty good listens but let's get into the review of the games guys and i think there's, I was toying with the idea of going in chronological order of when the games kicked off. But I think we have to start in Dallas. Ooh. Sunday night's game in Dallas. The 49ers traveling to take on the Dallas Cowboys. For 23 points to 17. The 49ers, you know... I, I would say the 49ers beat up on the Cowboys, but it was more just the referees beat up on the Cowboys with the amount of flags and pre-snap penalties that the 49 or that the Cowboys uh, put themselves through. Um, watching the game, like, I, I put this question out on, on Twitter and I admit, I think, well, not that I admit, I stand by it, but I think we lost a couple of followers when I put it. I think we upset a few people <laughs> when I said this, but I said that the Cowboys are the most overrated team ever to enter a playoff game. Uh, with their 12-5 and five record, Jake, you beautifully, beautifully gave us that stat, which I must say I kept using all weekend as well with their <laughs> record in the NFC East. Um, and then compared to the rest of the teams that they have faced this season too, of course, 6-0 and in the NFC East, 6-5 um, outside of the NFC East. A few um, questions I'll ask as it's gone forward, but... Your overall view of the game, I don't think, like everyone's talking about, obviously, Dak's run. He didn't have the time. He should have gave the ball to the uh, umpire so he could uh, spot it and then he could spike it, giving him a chance at the end zone. But overall, that wasn't that. That wasn't the game that defeated. That wasn't the part, I should say, that defeated the Cowboys. It was the previous um, X amount of plays and they just they just didn't show up. No, they absolutely didn't show up. The, as you mentioned, the penalties, there was just a whole lot of them. Every single time a flag flew, it was probably 90% going to the Cowboys. The amount of neutral zone infractions or offsides, penalties, all that sort of crap. It was just it was just poor discipline on the Dallas side. And I just think that team has far too much offensive firepower that isn't being used the right way. I don't know what it is. They just didn't look good. No one seemed to be in sync. A lot of balls that were flying out of hands. Just Dak looked absolutely terrible as well. And I think you can kind of see now they picked CD Lamb. I'm sure there was probably an offensive lineman that they could have added into that. Instead of drafting another high-powered receiver, they could have maybe bolstered up that line. Maybe would have given Dak a little bit more time to throw. Yeah, absolutely, Jake. And I agree with you. I, I, I think it's down to Dak Prescott. I really don't think he got it done. And 
of course we say every every game there's 11 offensive players on the pitch some people were pulling their weight other people were not there was plenty of yellow flags thrown on the offense as much as on the defense killer drive killers uh, but the reality is he's the main man they paid him an extraordinary amount of money and he hasn't delivered a playoff win and i think if you're the dallas cowboys where you came from 20 odd years ago 20 odd seasons ago where you were the main contender you and the 49ers were the two big teams almost in the entire nfl to now go to where to the point where in total you've three playoff wins in the last i don't know how many years it's just not good enough and i think it's going to be a big struggle for the cowboys because now they're in that really dangerous spot where you have a quarterback that you've paid this extraordinary amount of money to and now i think it's time to ask legitimate questions about whether he is worth the money because yes it's great to get 12 season wins but if you go one and done consistently in the playoffs i don't feel like that's worth the money and it's very difficult to move on from a player that gives you those playoff appearances because there's plenty of quarterbacks who can't. But the reality is if you can't get it done, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And at what point do you decide, no, we're the Dallas Cowboys. We need to go and win Super Bowls. That's all we heard this season. We're Super Bowl contenders. We're Super Bowl contenders. They it's say Super that Bowl every year. <laughs> I know they, they do. Say and that every year, they don't make it. So I think, I think as much as we're bashing the Cowboys, I think their own fans are going to be as upset as anybody else. And I think starting to get very frustrated already whispers about uh, Mike McCarthy at head coach. And I don't think it's completely on him. I think players underperformed consistently. And like you said, that I think their, their, uh, their schedule made them a little bit overinflated going into these playoffs. And it took its toll. There was plenty of players who hadn't got playoff experience, a lot of young players, uh, and, and it showed up on both sides of the ball, unfortunately. I don't know if you've seen that uh, last week, Micah Parsons was uh, in an interview or something like that. And he was asked um, about being like bullied. And he said, I grew up in Harrisburg where bullies get bullied. And then somebody cut that with the clip of him uh, getting bullied by Devo Samuels on a, on a block. He was just get thrown around by Devo Samuels. It was just a great look for him. But a lot of the defense seemed to like, I know it's hard when the offense goes three and out a few times and you get tired. And then you have to play, you have to go back on. They just got started getting chippy and more chippy with other players and stuff. I've seen Randy Gregory threw a couple of punches that weren't really flagged or anything. Micah Parsons done a few of the same kind of thing. So just kind of everything got a bit chippy and it looked like no one really wanted to play from the third quarter on. Yeah, uh, 14 penalties for 89 yards. Uh, I think it's the second most in a playoff game in the history of the NFL as well. You know, when you, you, you're penalised that much, you're never really... You're you're always going to be stuck behind the eight ball and you're really fighting yourself more than you're fighting the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, the comments after the game by Dak Prescott, um, I don't know if you've caught them, but him, he was asked... For anyone that wasn't aware, he was asked by reporters what he thought of the video that was circling around of fans throwing stuff on the field. And he initially thought it was at the his own players, which he then was, no, blah, blah, blah. wasn't It's not right. It shouldn't happen. Then he was correct in saying it was at the officials. And he was like, oh, that's fair. That's okay to do that. I think that's – I don't like those comments. It kind of entail, it encapsulates the, the sort of Cowboys team. And, and Jake and Fionn, you sort of mentioned it there a little bit too, where you said that, like, you know, I find this team is – 
has no accountability. It has no. It's quite an arrogant team, you know. They complain about this last decision by the officials, which was correct, by the way, um, to not uh, continue the ball game and or to not stop the game and let them have uh, one more shot at it, and um, because they didn't actually hand it off to the official. But you know, play well for the other fifty nine minutes and four <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know forty four seconds. And then you can maybe complain about an official making a decision at the end that's cost you. You know, you had no complaints about the official giving you a favorable ruling on the spotting of the ball when Debo Samuel went uh, to try and make the first down to ice the game towards the end. You had no problem with that. You had no problem with the officials calling that false start on Trent Williams when he tried to motion for Jimmy Garoppolo on that QB sneak, which I still think is a crazy decision, by the way. Why are you motioning out like your best left tackle to play right tackle? I, I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's just, yeah, it's such an, a, a sense of arrogance and entitlement from this team that don't deserve to have any entitlement. You've won an NFC East uh, championship. Congratulations. <laughs> Where's your playoff win to go with that? It's I, not happening. I think so going let's... back to Dak's comments real quick there about uh, being okay to throw to the ref, like he's coming off a game where he's won and done in the playoffs, a lot of high hopes and stuff. So obviously there's a lot of high emotions, but it's not what you want the leader of your team, the face of your franchise to be saying. He should say uh, it wasn't right for the, the players to be throwing stuff at or the refs to throw stuff at. Whatever you want to say to your friends because you're annoyed after the game, fair enough, but you don't say that in media. Yeah, no. and I think from by all reports, I think he's going to regret that one. It sounds like that isn't actually who he is. It, I do think there was high emotions, a lot of frustration before the game. He said it's Super Bowl or bust for us. Well, guess what? You busted, and I, I can, I can, I can feel from there. So uh, I, I did also hear he collected money for the for the practice squad players from all the from all the roster players to give them because they don't get bonus checks for making the playoffs. So. Uh, look, he seems like a good lad. I don't have any problems with him personally. He just happens to be the quarterback of the wrong team as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but yeah, I think he's going to regret those comments. And you have to condemn those comments, unfortunately. I don't I don't think that's the sentiment he meant to convey. But at the end of the day, that's what he said. And so we need to say, he, he can't say that. It's not right for, for anyone to get anything thrown at them. No, yeah, totally. You know, you praise the, the good stuff that he does, but you also have to call out the bad, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. Um, it doesn't mean that because he's done something bad, he's a terrible person. Like, this is not exactly the worst thing in the world, but, you know, he still has to be sort of called out for it. But, like, I think we'll move on. we we'll maybe on the 49er side of things yeah, very quickly. Absolutely. You know, they played very well. Uh, the defense, you know, was all over Dak Prescott for the whole game. Even when Nick Bosa went out, they still got pressure on the quarterback. Um, the offense... You know, it's running through Debo Samuel at the moment, so much so that George Kittle only had one catch for, I think, 15 yards in the whole game, um, which is, uh, which shows that like, they're not so reliant on him anymore. The only issue that I see is, and we saw it there on Sunday, Jimmy G will give you a chance. <laughs> and I'm talking about oppositions a chance with boneheaded plays. Um, so... He will probably be the one to stop them, just like he was the one to stop them winning the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So, uh, 
you know, he's certainly I don't know. the weaker link on that team compared to everything else. They got a lot of good weapons on the offense, a great offensive line, great game plan, and good defense. He's certainly the weak part of it. So if all he has to do is hand the ball to Debo Samuels, he's all right. But once he has to start throwing the ball a little bit, then you start clutching your pearls as the ball leaves his hands. Yeah, I don't think Trey Lance is the answer either, though, lads. I can't wait. I'm hoping that the 49ers get to the Super Bowl and then they announce Trey Lance is starting. <laughs> oh, that would just be amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, he might actually do. I don't, he probably won't, but Kyle Shanahan's leaving the sort of, you know, leaving some wiggle room there for a Trey Lance appearance because he didn't get a snap. He has the, the thumb injury. And he has the sh- he has a shoulder strain as well. They um, Shanahan said on on Monday. So we'll see what happens there. Lance didn't get snapped, did he? I didn't didn't see it. No, no. he didn't get any. No, he didn't yeah. get snapped. No, um, but he could. On I, I am. Um, You'd be saving them for it, no. It's Saturday. It's Saturday, isn't it? That yeah, I think playing, so. Um, You'd be saving the Trey Lance packages for like a, a break glass if emergency only. Now I think. Yeah, but you would think that they he they would be using Trey Lance in those. Short yarded situations to do, you know. Maybe if you're if you're winning and you don't feel like you're worrying that too too much, your defense is holding up. You don't feel like you have to be pulling all the tricks out of the bag. You probably want to save them for when you're playing Green Bay or when you're playing in the Super Bowl if you have that much time or that much of a lead. Yeah, I don't know. I still have my doubts. I think that uh, that Kyle never wanted. <laughs> I think he wanted Mac Jones and he didn't want him. And he's trying his best to keep to he's praying that Jimmy Garoppolo takes him to a Super Bowl or wins it for them so he can keep using him again next year because I know that they want to trade him, but they won't trade a Super Bowl winning quarterback. There's no way that they will. Um let's move on though. Let's move back to Saturday and we'll um we'll have a look at the other close game from the weekend, and that is of course the Cincinnati Bengals 26, the Las Vegas Raiders 9. The Bengals get their first playoff win in 31 years. Joe Burrow, who now should be the front runner for comeback player of the year after this weekend, he should 100% be, um, leads the Bengals to their first playoff game with uh, 242 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know what? I have to say here, I was proved wrong with Jamar Chase, not in terms of the player. Just in terms of the pick, I criticized the Bengals when it came to playoff time or to draft time that he didn't go for Panay Sewell instead of Jamar Chase. I thought it was more important to get the line sorted rather than get the receiver. I've been totally wrong. Jamar Chase has been probably rookie of the year, 116 yards at the weekend as well. Uh, you know, absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think it's showing now that the Bengals are the, definitely the team in the playoffs this year that everyone can get behind. Yeah, there's just a great story to watch them. Like they they play very well. The 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 offensive game plan looks great. Jamar just seems to catch everything, and he has a great connection with Joe Burrow. And then Joe Burrow coming off the the injury, getting to the playoffs, and the whole team kind of rallying around them. Um, I just think it's great. It's the the team I'm probably supporting most coming into the the playoffs because obviously I don't have a, a horse in this race, but. It is nice to see um, a quarterback come from injury back, lead the team to the playoffs, and he's really likable. So I like that about him as well. And on the Raiders side, they played like played through the season with a lot of kind of you know the head coach fire and the whole um, rugs thing and Damon Arnett, the whole thing. So played with a lot of heart, but I still I think you have to stand behind the Bengals on this one. They looked great and they kind of look nearly unstoppable. 
that's what I mean. They looked good doing it, and that's what that's what I'm most excited about. Joe Burrow, I believe, is uh, in his last three games against really good opponents. He's ten touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a QBR north of 120 somewhere. So he's he's proven himself to be a legit quarterback. I I really like him, and he's not he's not doing it with flash. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not flashy plays that is just like, oh well, teams just need to get a bit of get a bit of tape on him and they'll figure out his pattern. He's a good quarterback. He'll stand there and sling the ball. He'll get out on the edge if he needs to. We saw that touchdown uh, to Boyd in the first half where he, he threw it right as he was going out of bounds. That was a that was a great play. So that's what I really like. On the flip side, the Raiders, man. I don't like Derek Carr, and he keeps proving me right. There's three quarterbacks I think are overrated. That's Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and Dak Prescott. And this season proved I was correct on all three. Russell Wilson, he's just fallen off a cliff, right? That's that's nothing to do with being rated or unrated. But the other three guys, I think, they, they put their teams. It's the same story for all three. They put their teams in that really awkward position. They're absolutely good enough for a winning season. They're absolutely good enough to get you in the playoffs, and they're absolutely not good enough to win a playoff game. Joe Burrow won the first playoff game he played in, first playoff win in 31 years. I believe the Raiders are something like 15 years or something since their last playoff win. And unfortunately for them, Derek Carr has been at the helm for like six, seven, eight of those. So he has proved over and over first again playoff that game. he hasn't. It was his first playoff game. He's never played a playoff game before. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they were in the playoffs a couple of years ago, but he broke his leg, so he couldn't. Uh, I think that's an even more skating indictment. So that shows that even even with him at the helm, he doesn't even get you into the playoffs that often. So uh, I think it's time for the Raiders to look for a new quarterback. I have to be honest. I really more than the more than the Cowboys. I really don't see what Derek Carr has given you, other than he's been there for the longest time. Yeah, that they did come out with this report. I think it was Ian Rappaport. Um, reported it. Um, that <laughs> I know it's so hard to say that. Um, but uh, that uh, the Raiders have said that uh, Derek Carr's future is going to be in the hands of the next head coach. So they're pretty much saying like we don't care if he's here or not. We kind of like him not to be here. Um, so but the Raiders have a new uh, new GM coming in. So that new GM the... probably might be uh, leveraging a new quarterback into the situation. They wasted no time getting rid of um, Mayock. Getting rid of Mayock there so after the uh, after the loss, you know, which was grand too because like I like Mayock when it comes to draft time on on the NFL Network. Actually, I quite enjoy him on that. So keep him on that. Now, guys, I want to ask you about the officials here on this because everyone's aware of the the controversy. And I'll be honest, I was watching the game uh, while having friends over. Um, I wasn't really listening. For Admit it, Darry, you were locked watching the match. <laughs> I know, no, I was locked by the second match game. <laughs> um, but there was supposedly there was a whistle blown as as actually you were mentioned about the touchdown itself as as, same, going, yeah. as Burrow was going out uh, of bounds, but threw up before he stepped out of bounds. But supposedly a whistle came off, went off. Boyd caught caught the touchdown, touchdown. He spent about 15 minutes trying to decide what to do. By the letter of the law, it should have been a replay down. Replayed down. They allowed the touchdown to stand. 
and now after the well, it's not just this decision, they were pretty bad throughout the whole game. But <sighs> Jerome Boger and his team now will not be officiating another game in these playoffs because of this. But I find it interesting that it took for a morally cor- morally correct decision to happen. Whereas sh- the touchdown should have stood, no one stopped, everyone kept going. I think one person stopped because he got beat on the run uh, on the route itself. But the correct decision was the correct moral decision was made. It wasn't to the rule book, but it took this for the uh, NFL to take officials out of games. Whereas we've seen all year poor decisions being made, and the NFL and the NFL officials or website sort of reword things just to mm. make it sound like it was the correct decision to to, to protect their guys. It, it's a bit of a strange one there with that. I well, think. I, go ahead, Phil. Uh, I saw a report saying, uh, like, yes, it was quite bad refereeing, but I think the media is overhyping it a little bit. I've seen reports of saying it's not uncommon for wildcard round refereeing teams not to go on. Like, several teams will not go on. Yes, they probably won't be graded well, but usually it has nothing to do with your grade in the playoff game. It's more your grade over the course of the season. So they'll continue with the top-ranked uh, teams. Of course, they shuffle the teams around for the playoffs, but the combined top-ranked team will keep going. So, yeah, I'm sure Boger is, is not very happy and, and a little bit disappointed, but I don't think the NFL have come out and with a scathing indictment by saying you're not going on to the to the uh, divisional round playoff games. I think it's actually a pretty common occurrence. I think what we don't really get on this side of the, the pond is that a lot of the games, like say you're watching it, you're a Raiders fan, you're you're watching the Raiders, but you're probably not paying attention to the Giants or unless your team's playing the Giants, you'll see probably the box score, but you won't watch the game. But in the playoffs, it's nationwide, so everybody's watching them games. So obviously you have a, a lot more eyes on these games and that's probably where this um, referee team's not getting chosen to go on afterwards because if you have a better team who seems to be more fairly calling the game then you're going to be letting that that team go on and, and and ref the next ones but on that i don't know if you watched the replay i watched that replay a lot of the times and it was basically just before the ball was caught that the whistle was blown i don't understand why it was blown i don't know who blew, blew it um it was very clear that he threw the ball before he stepped out of bounds and nobody stopped on the play as you said there so i i think it's one of those things that if you're a bengals fan you're like you're saying, oh, but it's kind of okay because no one stopped. If you're a Raiders fan, you're incredibly annoyed. And it's just, that's that's sports, baby. <laughs> I like that with the little Al Davis there. <laughs> little Al Davis, cool. I like that. Very, very good, Jake. I knew what you were doing, mate. <laughs> Ironically, I think Al Davis would not have been happy with that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because he didn't win. Yes, that's exactly. What, that's another one of his win. famous phrases. Um, but uh, let's move on um, to let's move on to the Monday Night Football, um, and that was the Arizona Cardinals going up against the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams demolished their NFC West foes, thirty-four points to eleven. Kyler Murray in his first playoff game, oh, he stunk the joint out. Nineteen for, for thirty-four, one hundred and thirty-seven yards. Two interceptions, one resulting in a pick six, 
one of the worst pick sixes I think I you'll see in playoff history. <laughs> Jake, you're all ready for this pick six. Go on, I'll let you go ahead. Oh, I don't know what he was thinking. It was one of them things you tell a, a rookie quarterback not to do is to mid-tackle try throw the ball away. Just accept the sack, accept the two points if you have to. But, my God, he was nearly on the ground. He just threw the ball up in the air. Went nowhere near Rondale Moore, I think it was. Uh, got picked up by that cornerback, I can't remember his name, who just legged it into the end zone. It was oh. no problem. It was brilliant. Yeah, I didn't get to see it myself, so I don't have any don't have any comments on it. But I think I as much as the Rams are an extremely good team, it was always going to be difficult for Arizona to get a win missing a lot of their key weapons that they've been using for most of the season and they have struggled over the last couple of games they've kind of limped into the playoffs unfortunately and that kind of showed there uh with the rams coming in at full strength and really making life pretty miserable for them it was a pretty poor kind of every aspect of that game was very poor on the cardinal side i mean the offensive line just could not stop the rams from getting through it felt like kyler murray had 0.0 0.0 seconds to decide whether to throw the ball or run or whatever you have to do and they kept going back to this run game on the odd downs which was going nowhere and then they started to move the ball on the, the little few throws but the offensive game plan didn't help the defense didn't step up to stop anyone and it was just very poor all around i mean losing buddha baker is never a good thing for your defense he's a He's a top-notch player and well i don't i don't know how early he went out was it in the first half that he that he got knocked out of the game i think it was late in the first half i'd have to check okay. that so yeah that's that's always going to make life a little bit difficult it was a very nasty looking injury thankfully he seems to be um doing okay which is great um i think he's uh, out of hospital and everything so he should be should be totally okay i think cam Akers was the one that collided with him just getting a little bit of heat at the moment because of the apparent taunting that he did over his body while he was unconscious um i think People are trying to make a little too much out of that. Um, I don't know if it was as bad as people are making he, it. Cam Akers did tweet out and apologize. Well, not apologize. He said, I didn't realize he was out. I didn't realize yeah. the extent of the injury. And we, we've all been involved in a tackle of some description. And uh, it's it's pretty much a, a washing machine while you're in it. So it's not always pretty <laughs> obvious what's what's happened in the aftermath <laughs> when you stand up. Yeah. So I don't really blame Cam Akers. And it was the third quarter. Third quarter. Third quarter. Interesting. I want to get your opinions then now on Cliff Kingsbury uh, and his future in the Cardinals. He put, sort of put himself in the hot seat halfway through the year when the Cardinals were flying high, saying that he wasn't totally safe himself. He didn't believe so. And with the money that the team are after investing now these last couple of years to give Murray the, the weapons with the likes of DeAndre Hopkins and bringing in sort of James Conner. Now I know that was on a minimum deal, but... You still are getting Zach Ertz as well in the trade this year too, and all on the up opposite side paying JJ Watt all that money as well. They obviously wanted um you know a bigger return on their investment. They, they did not expect to go one and done in the playoffs. Do you think that he now has put has um not that I say put himself on the hot seat like I said he already did at the start of the season, but do you think that seat is getting hotter? Yeah, I think he's fine for this off season, but another season like this, maybe with another playoffs playoff loss in the first round, probably calls it for him. I'm I'm sure a lot of Cardinals fans are calling for his head already. Is his ends to seasons um, historically, even in his college days, have not been great. I think I seen a stat there where he finished like the last few games of each season for 
six years now NFL and college with uh, losing records. So um, it certainly doesn't look good for him. And if he can't turn that around, it's not going to help him. And uh, uh, he probably gets this offseason, as I said, and then will be gone if he doesn't get past divisional round maybe next season. That's what I mean. And I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about giving him an extra year. I mean, it's not – they did go – seven and oh to start the season so uh, it's not like when he is on form and he has all the weapons at his disposal that he he can't coach a winning football team but like you said jake it's all about that finish line and getting hot at the right time and at the end of the day that needs to be in december and not at the start of the season in september so uh we'll see i agree but i, I don't think as an arizona fan you would be Baying for his blood just yet. I think give him a little bit of time, but he's definitely on a hot seat. That's for sure. I think he did get the short end of the stick with this playoff, losing his number one receiver and having to throw to the body of Zach Ertz and AJ Green. Um, it just wasn't great. His offensive line didn't um, didn't pan out for him, but there wasn't really much game plan from his side that said, I, I will out-scheme Aaron Donald um, and make sure he doesn't get involved in the game. But, of course, that didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one thing we've seen all I've noticed all year. Obviously, with with your own team being in the NFC West, you pay a lot more attention to those teams. And, and the one thing that was taken away from their offense this year that they had last year was Kyler Murray, and I mean Kyler Murray's legs. He he's rushed his rushing numbers. Now I haven't done the research to 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 back this up, but just through the eye test, is his rushing has gone right down this season. Um, I don't know if he's been carrying any sort of injury i don't know he did have an ankle injury midway through the year i don't know if that's still bothering him to so that he needs to stay in the pocket a bit more and he doesn't run as much but that's definitely a side of the offense that has taken a step back which i think they could have used a lot this year yeah i don't know whether it's them saying we don't want kyler having to rush the ball every um every down because you know, what happens with rushing quarterbacks after they rush too much, they get injured and you don't need your star quarterback being out. And to be fair to Kyler, he's got an arm, he, he can throw the ball and it's not like he struggles in that department. So why would you force him to run if he didn't have to? Um, I just done a quick Google there for you, Dara. Um, in 2020, Kyler Murray had 819 rushing yards. In 2021, uh, 423 so drastically down. I mm-hmm. feel like he was told or, or coached not to run uh, unless he really had to. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I always find like it's always more dangerous to have to defend a really good passer that can also run than a guy who you know is going to lean towards run first. You can it's get containment. It's the line between Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you can get your containment right, that can really neutralize a running quarterback. If you need your whole backfield to play well in order to stop him, that's a whole different story and that's much more difficult. So I think, yeah, in terms of his development as a quarterback to stay, not just longevity, but also to increase his danger on the field, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's probably better to push him towards passing, but you're going to have to struggle and let him and let him go through a good brown pains as well because it's been his style even through college yeah uh that's where we're going to i think leave that game and and jake this is unfortunately the time that you're going to have to leave us um so we'll try and soldier on with the last couple of games without you but thank you as always this is where you'll see the viewers drop off because <laughs> as we know i'm the both the sex appeal and the uh, regular appeal of this show so uh good luck with the rest of the show and i'll chat to you later all Bye-bye. the best man take it easy
which is what he will not know is this is where the viewership spikes. Yeah, he's gone yeah. now. He's officially <laughs> gone. Though the bad man is gone, as he as he was mentioning about Joe Judge when he found out George Judge was uh, let go of his coaching duties last week. Uh, let's move on to the second game on Saturday then, which was my performance of the weekend. I must say the Buffalo Bills beating the New England Patriots forty-seven points to seventeen. Uh, Josh Allen had five touchdown passes, just the five, and. Four incompletions. Unbelievable mm-hmm. game from Josh Allen, who had some doubts about, and especially against a Bill Belichick Patriots side. No matter who's playing quarterback, uh, it's still a Bill Be- Bill Belichick Patriots side who has already beaten the Bills once this year at Orchard Park. So they was a lot of pressure coming into this game. Now, Fionn, I want to ask: Are the Bills? putting down a marker to be the most dangerous team in the AFC? Uh, they're putting down a marker. Am I willing to call them the most dangerous team in the AFC? I don't know. It wasn't exactly the best defense they've ever played against, but scoring on seven drives in a row is seriously impressive. And it shows the efficiency of the offense when it's on their game. And I don't think you can take anything away from them. Unfortunately, I don't think they learned anything from that game. I don't think they will take anything going forward about what works in that offense. I don't, as I mentioned, I don't think the Patriots put up too much of a fight against them. And on the Patriots side, I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, I'm disappointed for Mac Jones. He didn't have the most amazing game, but I would have liked to see him when a lot of his supporting cast didn't let him down quite as much. There was a lot of, strange drops missed assignments on the offense that didn't really get us a good look at Mac Jones and how he might progress as a football player especially if he's expected to continue or reignite the dynasty that is the Patriots he's going to have a lot of opportunities to play in playoff games Uh, I think he can be reasonably happy with his performance I don't think he let himself down at all as I mentioned I think a lot of the players around him made life very difficult and he was on target for a lot of those throws there was there was some that were just inexplicable it's not like he threw them slightly behind of course there were a couple of those as there always is here and there but there was a couple of wide open players that he put the ball on the money uh, and they just put the ball on the ground unfortunately and and that can really have a have an impact on drives especially with that that kind of style of managing the game that he has uh, when you don't stay on schedule that can really be difficult I don't think that playbook has a lot of huge explosive plays. And I don't think they have a lot of huge explosive players either. So, but we did get to see him run something that we did not see very often. And he did pretty effectively. I have to say, I give him credit for that. Yeah. I saw that. That was a nice tough block. He he followed along with it. He got a couple of uh, bumps in there braver than some of the quarterbacks we've seen. So and he's a big guy. He should be able to block pretty well. So yeah, a bit disappointed for him. And I think the bills had a nice clean run. A nice tune-up game, I think, without without learning too much or without coming up against too much resistance. We'll see how they go in the next phase of the playoffs. Yeah, and, and look, it just looking here at it as well, it, it, Mac Jones is the only quarterback in the playoffs this year that is a rookie, and we forget about that sometimes. It is still only his first year in the league. You know when you look at Patriots and you look at Belichick, and you see playoffs, you think that they're going to pull, they're going to be this team that is going to make it all the way. But 
you have to just we just have to realize that it's a really really good first year for for Mac and you know he still did play well in that game like you mentioned Fionn he he didn't um let the occasion get to him too much um it was just the 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 defense on the Patriots that just could not um give him the help that he would have needed to keep them in mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. you know they they were missing a lot of players especially in the back end and you know um Phil uh, Perry there from NBC Sports um, was spoke, speaking to us last week and he mentioned that the, the defensive injuries were going to be an issue coming into this game. He also mentioned about the lack of pass rush that we've seen from the New England Patriots and the apparent disappearance of Matthew Judon we saw again this week which gave Josh Allen the time to throw those five touchdown passes and to make all those incompletions because if you're a quarterback and you have those four or five seconds in the pocket to throw you are eventually going to find a receiver um, mm. and get your team up the field. So like you were mentioned there, yeah, really good uh, performance by the Bills. Really excited to see what's going to happen uh, this weekend where they face the Kansas City Chiefs because, because the Chiefs went and did their part of um, did their part of the deal. They beat the Steelers by 42 points to 21 on the Sunday night football. The Steelers tried to make a game of it a little bit in the first half. Um, but again, it showed that the limitations that the Steelers have on offense with Big Ben um, and the apparent, you know, unlimitedness of uh, Patrick Mahomes on the offense side for the Chiefs just shows that the difference, you know, when you've got uh, there between the two sides and the Chiefs go marching on to the divisional round of the playoffs. Fiona, I don't know if you have any main talking points from this game on Sunday. Not really. I think I think they're almost in the same boat as the Bills. They they demolished a pretty average team at the best of times. Uh, also, always good to have that much offensive firepower and that many touchdowns. But then again, not exactly the most difficult defense that you faced. I think the Bills-Chiefs might be the game of next weekend. It is strength on strength with a couple of little unknowns given that both offenses have struggled sometimes against really good defenses and i think for sure the bills have a fantastic defense but i think the the uh, kansas city chiefs have a good enough it's a good enough improvement in defense up from uh what they what the bills played against the patriots to really test the bills in a way that they were not tested this weekend so that's going to be very interesting to see who was a little bit of smoke and mirrors and took advantage of a poor uh, a poor defense they were playing against and who is a legit firepower that they have coming into the divisional rounds. Yeah, um, that that uh, front line, now the Chiefs especially, is really starting to click um, on the defensive side with, with, with Clark, Jones and Ingram especially um, are really starting to play well and they're going to cause, and they're definitely going to get home on Josh Allen next week. He will not have the time he had this past weekend. So it will be interesting to see. The Bills did beat Kansas City in the regular season as well. And they do want to get them back for last season's playoff loss to the Chiefs too. So we will see what happens this weekend. It's, it is, yeah, you're right, Fiona. It is definitely probably the game of the weekend. Let's wrap up with the last game uh, we're going to look at, and that is, of course, the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, taking care of business against the Philadelphia Eagles, 31 points 
to 15. It was 31 points to nil at one stage in this game. Another one of these games, you can't really say a lot about it. it you know, the, the offense and the Bucks defense just took, um, just game planned so much better than the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, to be honest, it looked like a walkthrough for Tom Brady. He he makes bad teams look exceptionally bad all the time, and this was no exception. I, I don't I don't really see any positives for the Eagles. To be honest, I know they're out, so it doesn't really matter. But the run game they had relied on so much after the the middle part of the season that had got them. I think they were the top rushing team in the league, especially over the the back half of the season. Just completely disappeared. They had Jalen Hurts as their top rusher on the day, and that's going to make things difficult. And I think the Buccaneers, as with the Chiefs, as with the Bills, had a lot in reserve. I think they they could lean on their run game even more if they had to. Uh, and they look really big up front. They, they can move teams around. And it's really difficult to get pressure on Tom Brady. And he's shown over the course of his career, it's it's a very simple formula to stop him. The, you have to get pressure on him. And the teams he's played on, that's been much harder to do than it is to say. So I think that he's not unbeatable, but certainly he's proved now that, again, you need to be on top of your game in order to have any chance because if you make one slip up, he finds that problem, that mistake every single time. Yeah, um, that's that, that's totally true. The, the Eagles did get home on him four times uh, this past oh, Sunday, especially on a couple of key third downs they did. Um, I think that was down two, though. Um, and we'll have to see how things progress with the with the injuries on the old line with mm-hmm. uh, the center Ryan Jensen. Now he did come back into the game, but Tristan Wirfs, who injured his ankle early in the game, tried to come back, couldn't go on yeah. it. So we'll see how his ankle is like for the for this weekend because um, yeah, and at if least he is, sorry, I was going to say even if he is only at seventy percent, you know Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to target him. And they're going to mm-hmm. go after him that on that one. So it's going to be interesting because Tom Brady has always had the luxury of a full, well, not a fully fit, but a mostly fit offensive line. And and such an important player like Tristan Wurst getting injured at this point of the year is definitely, sorry, excuse me, is definitely a, a concern for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And and look, he was directly responsible after his tweak, of course, uh, for two sacks, and I believe his replacement got absolutely run over by Ryan Kerrigan for a third sack. So yeah, I think they do need to, they do need to hope that he gets better. He played, I saw a statistic, he played 100% of the regular season snaps for that offensive line. And that really helps. I think the lowest they had was 80% of the snaps across the five starters on the offensive line. And when you can have that consistency, that's going to help because everyone's on the same page. Everyone's in rhythm. And, and when you're dealing with a, a master of the pre snap reads like Tom Brady who can help out your center and get everybody lined up in the right spot, get the ball out quick if he needs to, or or slide a protection left or right. That really helps to have that consistency and that understanding. It, it even magnifies the advantage. Yeah, totally. Um, on the Eagle side of things, uh, I know you mentioned a little uh, in your roundup there, but, you know, the, the Buccaneers defense, you know, sold out to stop the, the book or the Eagles running, which they did successfully. Um, they forced Jalen Hurst to throw the ball. And when he did throw the ball, he wasn't throwing it well. Yeah. Um, you know, with two interceptions as well, with one of them that 
crazy, unbelievable leaping grab by uh, Shaquille Barrett as well to to grab that. Um, you know, the big man getting up high, it's, it's always a good sight to see for us fellow big men. Um, interesting questions then we're going to be asked about Jalen Hurts after this game. Um, and interesting questions are going to be asked about the play calling as well because your first round pick, Devonta Smith, does not really get targeted properly until garbage time. You could you could you could say when you're already thirty points down, then you start targeting your number one pick, who was actually when he was targeted and was able to make catches, did make some really really good catches and, and got some decent yards. So it's it's one of those things that like if you know. If the hindsight is twenty twenty, but if only they had sort of went and tried to target uh, Devontae Smith more, or if, if there was a good few in the first half that were highlighted, a few open throws that Jalen Hurts just didn't go for, if he had gone for them, we might have seen maybe possibly a more competitive game. Yeah, I think they got caught out. I think they were trying to run a counter to what they knew Tampa Bay would do, as you mentioned, sell out to stop that league-leading rushing attack. Uh, and they were trying to run those really quick screens, slants, short game where the ball comes out quick over the top of that pass rush, especially if Tampa Bay were going to commit some players on the inside or the outside of that linebacker core. And unfortunately, I just don't think they had the talent to overcome it. On the times when the wide receivers were in position, Jalen Hurts was holding onto the ball just a tick too long. It's almost like he didn't trust himself on the reads that he was making. He wasn't throwing anticipation passes. He was waiting for that window to be wide open. And in the NFL, they just don't last that long. So that ball needs to be in the air before the your man is in position. And he just didn't, he couldn't do that enough times. And when he was targeting, unfortunately, some adjustments couldn't be made by the wide receivers. And there's certainly talent there. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is fully responsible for the problems, but I also don't know if he can overcome those problems, which is really what you need from your quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does not become the starting quarterback for next season. I just don't think over the last two seasons he's shown enough to warrant a guaranteed starting spot for next season. So we'll see what kind of competition comes in to give him a run for his money in this offseason. Well, with those three first-round picks this year, they are definitely players in the quarterback market for any of those big quarterbacks that can be looking for trades. They're mm-hmm. definitely going to be a, a choice uh, for an option of choice, especially if it's like a Deshaun Watson who, or Deshaun, I think all three, if we're talking about Rodgers, Wilson and Watson, they all have no trade clause. So they would have veto power over that. if They don't want to go to Philadelphia, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, there. And that's, uh, I think that's a great place to wrap up the show this week. Uh, we reviewed all the games and we are in store for some fantastic divisional matchups this weekend. Uh, very quickly to go through them. The, the Bengals going up against the Titans on Saturday evening at 9.30 p.m. Irish time. Then in the wee hours of Sunday morning, it's the 49ers traveling to Lambeau to take on the Packers. 8 p.m. Sunday evening, it's a great time. Just after your dinner, you're settling in after the weekend. It's the Rams traveling to Raymond James Stadium to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the last game of the weekend, 11 p.m., the Bills, Buffalo Bills traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. We will be back on Thursday again at half nine to look ahead to those games in further detail uh, keep an eye out on our social channels for our guest announcements uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at 
Under Center Pod. Uh, make sure you go to our YouTube channel, Under Center Podcast, and subscribe to that too. Um, and also, if you can, if you prefer the audio side of the show, go to wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Under Center Podcast, and that is where you will find the shows um, for uh, all of our shows, I should say, for your listening pleasure, you would like to say. But Fionn, as always, sir, thank you so much for joining me for this last hour. Um, and we're looking forward to uh, talking again on Thursday. Yep, thank you. And make sure you do uh, stay safe. We will see you soon, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday.